PTAs have a place in research. You know, we, we have experience to draw upon. We have knowledge that is, can be applied to the research setting. Um, I, I think one of the most impactful moments in my career so far um, is relevant to this plus point. Um, the PI, the principal investigator of my lab, um, you know, we were talking about my my performance and he said, I want you to write PTA on the, the dry erase board for me. And so I was like, okay. So I, I wrote PTA on the on the board and he, he said, I feel like you think of yourself like this. And he wrote PT and then a huge A, like emphasizing that assistant. Um, and that really was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, you know, here's, this is someone who like is in research, he's brilliant, um, and is acknowledging that I have something to add here. So I, I think that that draws right into my plus point that, you know, just don't think of yourself as PTA, like you're an assistant, um, you know, acknowledge that you have, you have things to add, and that includes in the research world. Hello everyone, welcome back. In today's episode, I am going to encourage you that in a room of 20 physical therapy researchers to be a Sarah Davidson. Sarah is a physical therapist assistant and she's also a researcher. Yes, you heard that right. And Sarah is a recent recipient of a PODS scholarship, which is a promotion of doctoral studies scholarship that is offered through the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research. Um, so that is all cool stuff. And she tells us all about her involvement in research and what that looks like for her as a physical therapist assistant. So you get to hear all the nuts and bolts about research and um, all the in-between and about PhD and so much more. Um, Sarah is an expert at this, so I can't wait for you to hear what she says. She is also the recipient of the Outstanding Physical Therapist Assistant Award, award from the um, Ohio Physical Therapy Association in 2016. So she has a lot of really cool things to say and I can't wait for you to learn um, more information about research with Sarah Davidson. Hi Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for saying yes to a newbie. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, I, I think that the idea for this podcast is awesome. I, I love the idea. So happy to be here. Great. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, you and I, we met, um, we're both from Ohio, and we met when we were both serving on the Ohio um, Physical Therapist Assistant Advisory Committee. I have to make sure I get that um, <laughs> right. Sometimes I say it wrong. So, but goodness, that was years back. So, um, yeah, it's been a minute since we've talked in person. So, yes, pre pandemic. Yeah, definitely pre-pandemic. So um, so we're really excited to have you here. We have a very interesting um, topic that we're going to talk about today that I think that there's going to be a lot of PTAs interested in hearing what you have to say. Um, before we get started, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of background on you, um, where you're from, what you do, uh, maybe what you've done in the past, however you want to spin that. Sure. Um, so I'm from the Cleveland area in Ohio. I've pretty much been here my whole life. Um, I've been a PTA for about 12 years. Just, I can't believe it's been that long. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it should be that long, but uh, it has been. 
So the first five years of my career, I worked um, at Lakewood Hospital, which was part of the Cleveland Clinic. And most of my time there was spent on the, um, in the inpatient rehab unit. So Lakewood Hospital saw a lot of admissions to their inpatient rehab um, who had stroke or Parkinson's. Um, we, had, we had the normal variety of patients that you would see, but it was, it was definitely you know, a lot of neuro patients. Um, so that was when I started to realize that I really enjoyed working with neuro conditions. And about 2016, Lakewood Hospital actually closed. Um, and so I was, I was honestly a bit devastated about that because I, I loved working there. We had a great team, um, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because, you know, I was, I was thinking of a career, not a career change, but, you know, changing the setting I worked in, just switching it up from inpatient and maybe going, trying to do some outpatient work. Um, so I came across a position that was open in the clinic um, that was looking for a PTA to work in research. And I jumped on that opportunity because I, when I was in PTA school, I was, I was kind of intrigued with the whole idea of research, but we never talked about, you know, PTAs doing research. It was always PTs. So I had yeah. always thought, well, PTAs can't do research. So just don't even, <laughs> don't even try. Um, so yeah, when I saw that position, I went for it and they happened to be looking for a PTA to do the intervention for a stroke trial. So it was an intervention trial comparing three different um, therapy interventions and seeing which one caused the most improvement with stroke participants. Um, so because of my neuro experience and my interest in research, um, I got the job and I've been working in this, this lab, the, uh, the neural control lab at the clinic for about seven years now. So that is really incredible. It sounds like all those stars aligned <laughs> perfectly for <laughs> you. Did. Yes, they yeah. did. And it's, it's something I've learned a few times in my life is like, sometimes you, you feel like, gosh, this is, everything is going terribly right now. And then, and then as things move on, it's actually worked out and things happen for a reason. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times I've said that, that um, there are moments where I'm like, why is this happening? And why, why would you give me this type of um, situation or work, whatever it is, whether it's like um, with a boss or with a, a coworker or something like that, or friendship or relationship. And then down the road, you're like, oh, it was really like developmental for me, you know, and, yes. and you yes. see that later on that that prepared you for a specific situation. So, so that's really cool. Um, your background is very interesting. So um, something that we like to ask on the show, because the, the show is the PTA Plus podcast, so um, I like to highlight all of the things that PTAs are outside of being only a PTA or just a PTA. So can you fill in the blank or fill in the sentence, I am a physical therapist assistant plus, what would you fill that in with? Yep. Well, the, the biggest one is that I'm a PhD student. Um, that takes up a lot of my time. Um, and related to that, I, I'm also a writer. Um, you know, not 
mostly scientific stuff now. I've, I've been working on research publications and stuff for my PhD. Um, used to write more fiction, but lack, I lack time for obvious reasons now. Um, I love to read. I'm a reader and I'm an aunt to a couple of great kids, six and four. So yeah, I live a full life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm an aunt as well. I love anting. It's it's one, yes. one of my favorite things to do. Soon to be a great aunt, which is crazy to think about oh, it. My wow. nephew, yeah. my nephew and his wife are about to have a baby soon, um, which is just crazy to think of um, because um, it, it really is a fun thing being an aunt. Yes, that's oh, awesome. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Um, you are also um, a researcher. We're going to fill in the blank with that too. Um, now, it's kind of interesting to me that um, you say that you are a writer. So you like to write outside of physical therapy things too, right? Is that what you're telling yes. me? Yes. That's pretty yes. cool. So I, when I was a kid, like five or so, I, I wanted to be an author of books. So I would like make little, little books and, you know, they weren't really captivating stories, but, you know, for, it, I just took it from there and um, wrote a lot of fiction up until, you know, I started working on my PhD. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, you probably don't have a whole lot of time for writing things other than research these days. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get back to that after the PhD. Of course. Of course. I look forward to it. So um, I'm sure that when you were sitting in PTA school, you said that you were somewhat intrigued about research. Um, you were probably the only one in your class that was like, man, this research stuff is really exciting. <laughs> I work with PTA students a lot, and um, sometimes I get that glossed over look like, just tell me what I need to know about this. But it sounds like you had a little bit more of a love for it. So um, tell us a little bit about um, that connection between physical therapist assistant and researcher and kind of that journey in between. Were there some things that you kind of had to learn along the way? Um, I don't know, what, what's, what's your day look like? There's a lot I've had to learn. Um, it's quite, it's, it was quite a transition to go from being in the clinic to being in research. Um, so when I was first hired, I, I did mostly the interventions for studies that were, you know, comparing two or more physical therapy interventions. Um, that's kind of evolved from there as I've gained experience and then started my PhD. So, so nowadays my day um, can, can vary quite a bit depending on the project that we're doing and you know where we are in the research process. Um, <clears throat> so the last couple of days are actually a good example of the variety that I, that I have in my work. Um, so today I did, uh, I worked a little bit of, on writing a paper that I've been working on for, for a few months, um, did some data analysis, looking at some data that I collected uh, last year with, with the lab. Um, I worked with a research participant who just started the, uh, the trial. It's just a one day trial. So, um, I worked with them, and we are getting a, we're getting prepared to start a new study. So there's a lot of planning involved with that. So 
yesterday and today I've been doing a lot of kind of administrative planning type stuff around that to, to make sure that we you know, have all of our ducks in a row before we bring in the first participant. So there's quite a bit of variety. Um, but yeah, moving from the clinic to research was, was quite an adjustment. Um, most of it good. You know, I think one of the best things is that I don't have to worry about billing or productivity. <laughs> Just great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> great. Yes. Um, so that's obviously incredibly unusual in our field. Um, so we don't bill insurance. You know, all the research is, we, the research pays, the grant pays for, for me. So I don't need to justify my, my work. Um, so that's very nice. Um, there's a bit less freedom in your interventions because you have to follow a protocol. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I was working in inpatient rehab, you know, you could, you could, you needed to work on balance. Maybe that was in the plan of care, but the way that you went about that could, could look very differently. Um, so you have a lot less freedom with what you're doing. You have to make sure that you're following the protocol or else, you know, what are we doing this research yeah. for? So, um, yeah, yeah, consistency. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and there's just, um, a lot of ebb and flow, you know, then when I was in inpatient rehab, every day was, I won't say it looked the same because as you know, I mean, things can change a lot, but your, your main focus is on seeing patients. Um, and now it's sometimes a lot of seeing patients and sometimes we're in the, the mode where we're analyzing the data and writing up the results and presenting the results um, and you don't see any patients. So yeah, there's, there's quite a few differences. Yeah. So you, you might not actually have a patient in front of you every day as you're progressing through your research. It might be a day of just analysis or it might be a day of, um, like you said, prepping and doing some of that administrative work to get prepared for the next study. Um, so yes. explain, um, are, are you in like a, a gym? Like, is it like a physical therapy gym? Like we would think if we stepped into an outpatient or an inpatient um, PT gym? Not at all. No. <laughs> no? Um, okay. No. So it, it depends on the study that we're doing. So when I was hired, I was doing a lot with um, upper extremity stroke rehabilitation. So and we were looking at the effects of aerobic exercise with upper extremity task practice. Um, so my, my gym was a room that had like the exercise bike in it and then a table and a lot of just uh, things that honestly you kind of find around your house that I would use for my task practice. So things like pots and pans, you know, have people practice practice things with that. Um, we'd have some traditional therapy stuff like like weights, you know, an Airx pad if we want to work on balance, but it's, there's no treatment mat, you know, there's no bolsters or any of that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it does, it depends on the study. Now with what I'm doing, I'm not doing any interventional trials at the moment. So um, the closest thing that I could say works as my gym is really like the area where we do our motion capture and our 
virtual reality stuff. Um, it's it's just a very large area that has no traditional therapy equipment. So, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. And like you said, that had to be be so different for you to walk into this and kind of just have to like flip the switch to something completely different from what you were used to doing. Yes, absolutely. So I, I've been lucky that I have some great mentors. So that's been critical through that. Yeah, I can imagine. So about the research, um, is there a set time frame that you go through a specific study and then you move on to a next? Um, does it depend on how the study's created, how long it might take? Um, how, how do you know what that is going to look like? It really depends on the study. So it it depends on you know, how many people we're seeing um, and how easy those participants are to get. You know, like we're starting to do some, some studies um, with people with Parkinson's disease who have a specific DBS implant, so a specific deep brain stimulator um, called the Percept, which we can record data from so that we can actually see what's going on inside the brain. Um, but there's not many people who have that, you know, and especially not within our area. So it's going to take some time. We're looking for 25 people that, that have that for the study coming up. And that's, that's going to take a while. Um, but then we also have studies that, you know, we, we can recruit pretty quickly for, and we only need maybe 20 people. And those, those can be done in, in a month or two. So it, it, it also helps that the lab that I work in mostly works with people with Parkinson's and those, we just have such great people who are willing to come in and do just about any study. So we've got a list of people we can just call up. Uh, so that helps a lot, but, but yeah, it really varies on the study. Yeah, that's great. So you, you kind of have a network really um, that builds um, in the semi-local community. Is, is that what I'm understanding is that there's almost like a network of um, people that you can pull from or um, people that can uh, refer to the studies? Yes, for sure. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of participants that have done multiple studies with us. Um, and then we, we have like some physicians who, you know, neurologists specifically who see PD patients who, who we keep updated on what we're doing. So yeah, we definitely have a strong network and that helps a lot with the recruitment. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So how long does it take you to see, um, so you, you set up your study and you get your participants and, and, and they go through the process and you get your um, data and it gets to the publishing point how quickly is it that you start to see those results coming out? Like what, how long does it take for the public to actually get their hands on what kind of research happens? That's a great question. It's, I, I don't know an exact answer to that, but I can tell you it's, it's longer than we would like. Um, hmm. You know, we, we try to, to present at CSM and, and other conferences um, to get the word out there. Um, but it, it is, it can be tough to mm -hmm. spread the word about your research for sure. Um, 
Yeah. So it, I have heard that, that it takes a while for um, research that is done to actually kind of get disseminated. Yes. That it takes a while for that to, to get out and about. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So if you had to pick um, like a favorite type of research, is there is there something that you enjoy more than others or um, as far as like the type of research or a specific part of it? Um, what would you what would you pick? <laughs> Or could you? <laughs> yeah, I I do have a few things that I like more than others. I mean, I I enjoy doing the the data collection part of it, working with people. You know, that obviously is something that that I enjoy since that's a huge part of our career is just interacting with people. So so I enjoy the data collection part. Um, and I also have grown to really like the data analysis part. Um, so that wasn't something that I started doing right away. I was initially tasked with things like, well, just make sure that all the data is there, make sure that it makes sense, that there's no like crazy numbers, like somebody weighs 50 pounds or something, you know, just make, just yeah. do those quality checks. Um, but over the last seven years, I've taken on more of an analysis role and especially with the PhD, um, you know, the, that program, I'm, I'm starting to do more of the analysis. So I'm like learning statistical software and like, I, I do enjoy that part too, because you kind of get to see the results come together then. And it's, it's an exciting, it's like what you did the research for. So I, mm -hmm. I enjoy that part. Yeah. So speaking of um, your PhD, you're working on your PhD right now. Um, tell us what that kind of looked like for you. Um, what did you have to do to get prepared to go into this PhD program? And uh, maybe tell us a little bit about what that program looks like. Sure. So I had to get a bachelor's first um, because I only had my associate degree. Um, and so I, I found a program through Youngstown State University that was all online and would transition if you had an associate, it would help you transition from the associate to a bachelor's. Um, so I did that first. So, so your bachelor's was also through YSU? Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. Um, and then I, I took a year off um, and I decided I wouldn't take more than a year off because it gets too easy to, to not go back after that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was tough to go back for the bachelor's. So, so I took a year off, and then I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go for my PhD. So to get into that program, you know, I had to get like some letters of recommendation and write an essay and take the GRE, which was not fun because the graduate records exam. I had to like study math that I hadn't used since high school. <laughs> so um, that that was rough, but. Uh, so now I'm, I've been in the program for a little over a year and a half, and most almost all of it is online, which is great. I don't think I could do this if I had to go in person um, all the time. That would just be tough working full time, too. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I'm, right now I'm working on my didactics, which are the, the lecture kind of courses um, and getting ready to start my dissertation, which will be the big research project um, 
that I, I plan to take about a year to do that. So I, I'm still like three years out from finishing this program, but the time wow. will pass. <laughs> yeah. So did you just start the PhD program recently? Yeah, it was uh, last spring. So spring of 22 was my first semester. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, now, are you in with like a cohort of other students or is this kind of more like a individual type of a program? It's an individual program. Yeah, I, I see a lot of the same people in my classes, but we're all progressing at different paces. And I believe all of us work full time. So, you know, we're just chipping away at this at different speeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you get to have some say in what your dissertation is going to be, or is that something that's almost assigned to you or? No, you get total say over what you want your dissertation to be. Um, so, so mine um, is, is going to be about grip force control among people with Parkinson's disease and seeing if there's any relationship between grip force control and Parkinson's disease severity. Um, I've read, there's hardly any research out there about this, um, which is one reason why I'm look, interested in looking more into it. But there is one study that found that, that grip force control was an indicator of the severity of Parkinson's disease. And so my thought is, well, if it's an indicator of severity, maybe we can use this to diagnose Parkinson's sooner, you know? So, but before we get to that point, I have to first quantify, make sure that there's actually a relationship between, you know, the grip force and uh, severity. So, so that's what my dissertation is going to focus on. I can't believe that you've already like know exactly like what you're going to do. I'd be like, well, I have to think about it. Of course, you're bathed in this stuff all the time. Like this is, yeah. this is kind of like what you're doing on a regular basis. So you, you probably already had some ideas before you even went in for your PhD. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I started to be get, become interested in grip force control because of the stroke patients that I was seeing for the research study that I was hired to do, the one that was working a lot on arm and hand function. Um, and I just noticed that a lot of people could grab things, but they couldn't let go. Um, and so I started to get interested in grip force then. Um, and my, the, the uh, principal investigator of my lab, which we call the PI, um, he's worked a lot with grip force control in the past. So we already had like a force transducer to measure grip force. Um, and so I'm expanding on work that he's previously done and looking a bit further in detail into that. So it helps that I have like a solid background here. Um, mm -hmm. And when the pandemic hit, um, the studies that were ongoing had to come to a halt. So I, at the time I was in the mode where I'm just seeing a lot of patients and then suddenly I wasn't seeing any. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I started working more with this grip force data because mm -hmm. it was something I could do at home. And I, I just started really getting into it. So, so yeah, yeah it, it's all worked out pretty well for me uh, to, <laughs> to move that direction for my dissertation. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so what does um, funding look like? I know that you said that um, 
the research is, is funded through specific grants and whatnot. So um, do, does the clinic apply for these funds or is there like a foundation that supports it? Um, do you get individual funding? How does that work? So the the PI of our lab and, and there's a couple others who work on grant applications. Um, they're typically through the National Institutes of Health um, or we get a lot of funding from the Michael J. Fox Foundation because of the PD research that we do. So the way that that works is the, there will be um, uh, a call for, for grant proposals, right? So you, you write up this grant proposal, which I, sounds like nothing, but it, it takes a lot of time to write these um, and a lot of just skill. Um, and then the, the uh, there's like a committee that reviews all of the grant proposals and decides which ones they're going to fund. So our funding is basically through NIH, Michael J. Fox Foundation, um, you know, and some other organizations here and there, the Department of Defense, um, maybe a couple others that I'm forgetting, but yeah. but yeah, we have to actively go out there and get funded. Hmm. Okay. Now, do you have to participate in that grant um, process or? I have in the past um, just helped with some of the, because there's a lot of paperwork involved. And mm -hmm. so I've helped out with some of that in the past, but typically, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not the one that writes up those grants. So I took like a, a four week, um, like mini workshop on grant writing, um, years ago, probably 10 years ago. And I, I mean, it was very interesting. It was very eye opening, but I was like, this is a ton of work <laughs> and there really is no reason for me to like, it's not like I I'm in a, a a position where I need to seek out a lot of grants. Like I said, it was very interesting, but um, I knew that was probably the only time I was ever going to touch it. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's a daunting process, that's for sure. Very time consuming. Yeah, yeah definitely. And mine was all fake. Like I didn't actually like, write a grant for anything. It was it was just for um, practice, but I was like, this is a for lot sure. of work. So, so overwhelming, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, um, you just received um, something through the Foundation of Physical Therapy, is that correct? Yes, yes. So Can you tell us about that? Sure. So um, I applied for the, um, the PODS grant, which I, I, I believe stands for Promotion of Doctoral Studies. I hope I'm right on that. Um, so we won't the, fact check you. <laughs> <laughs> good. So the, uh, the Foundation of PT Research um, hands out like a certain number of these a year to help with um, PTs and PTAs who are going for um, PhD, their PhD. So I wrote up a grant for that. Um, that that I did do. <laughs> not quite as extensive as you know some of the other grants that that happen in my lab here. Um, but yes, I, I wrote a grant proposal for that and ended up getting funded for that. So really That's awesome. grateful for that and yeah, mm -hmm. thrilled. Congratulations. That is not an easy feat. 
And I was super excited when I saw um, your name across uh, my screen on, I forget if it was on Facebook or Twitter or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Sarah, um, <laughs> which actually really kind of triggered me to reach back out to you because um, I know we had known each other before that. But um, when I saw that come through, I'm like, this is just amazing. Um, and of course, um, years ago, whenever you and I first met, I wasn't podcasting. So, um, you know. But anyway, so I, I just really wanted to get you on here so we could talk about that because that's just a that's a huge thing. Um, congratulations. Um, Thank you. You're doing incredible work that might be hard for someone from the outside looking in to kind of understand it. But you're you're building things for the future. And I think that's amazing that a PTA has the opportunity to be a part of that. Oh, yeah. And that was that was one thing that really drew me to research, too, in general is just you know, I love having an impact on, on individuals. That's an amazing benefit of our profession. Um, the thing with research is that you have the potential to make an impact on a lot of people because you can, you can find things that can help us, can help other therapists, you know, treat more effectively. Um, so, so I still get to have some individual impact um, while also hopefully having impact on the future. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an opportunity that um, not everybody has the same opportunity there with that. So I, I think that's really cool that you were able to do that. Do you have other PTA colleagues that you work with or is there like, is there like a, I, I feel like there might be like a secret section of PTAs that work in research. Like, do you have connections and networks around the country or in the state <laughs> or anything? Um, no, I, unfortunately, no. I do. I have one PTA that I work with here at the clinic. Um, she's in another lab. Um, we do, you know, we do we do communicate because she's doing the stroke studies that I was initially hired to do. Um, so I think that's awesome. I think we need more PTAs in research. I, I I'm not sure how many of us there are. I know. I've heard of one other one in Ohio, um, down in Columbus. So, um, but yeah, no, I don't have cross country uh, network. All right. Well, hopefully, so, no. someday we get to that point. <laughs> no underground network that we know about, huh? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. <laughs> or okay. maybe we do. It's just top secret. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it, it's it's hidden. Or maybe there's going to be a slew of um, PTAs that'll reach out to you. I don't, I don't know how many people listen to the podcast, but <laughs> um, maybe they'll come your way, and then you can connect. Sure. Um, after we talk. So I'd love to. Yeah. So um, as far as student physical therapist assistants and um, the things that we teach them in school, which is, I think, very much so skimming the surface. We definitely talk about research and the importance of it. And we talk about PICO and um, mm -hmm. how to recognize um, good research and how to recognize the levels of research and whatnot. Um, but what can we do better from an educational perspective to prepare PTAs to um, get their hands on research? And, and I think that probably the majority of PTAs um, will read research, but not necessarily participate in that. But still, um, what can we do better to have PTAs kind of wrap their heads around research and the importance of it? Yeah, so I think just reviewing the entire process of how research goes, I mean, from just proposing a grant, getting funding, um, 
there's the whole institutional review board thing that I, I probably was taught about in school, but I, I honestly don't remember at this point. Um, but, you know, just they're the people who make sure that the study is, is performed ethically and that you know, they protect the people who participate in the studies. Um, so anything that you do has to go through them. Um, so just talking about that process, um, you know, and then collecting the data, which is honestly, a, it's a big part of the study, but it's it's just one piece of the study, you know. So, so collecting the data and then analyzing it and then um, disseminating the results which is stuff like conference presentations, posters, you know. So I think just explaining the whole general process um, would help with understanding just how research works and and also give some, some respect to how long the whole process can take. Because, I mean, from funding to actually presenting at CSM, depending on the study, it, that can take years to get to that point. So... Yeah, for sure. And I think it's easy for, um, especially me, who I don't do research, but for me to look at a study or um, read a research article in in a magazine, in the journal, the PT journal or something like that, and just not really think of that entire process that occurs before it, but just to see that piece that's in front of us. Um, it's easy to kind of forget that there's so much that goes into that beforehand. So um Thank you for being a part of that and thank you for sharing that information because it's it's vitally important research is important yes absolutely yeah i think we're doing a better job i, I feel like um as i've progressed through my career as a pta over the last I, I don't know how however many years it's been almost 19 years i think um that maybe research wasn't necessarily something that i had a focus on or really thoroughly understood in the first couple years of my career, but I feel like it's definitely becoming um, more forward um, to physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. And I think that that's just part of the culture um, in physical therapy now is that we've kind of embraced that being a um, research-based practice, an evidence-based practice, that we've kind of embraced that more than maybe what we did 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that you know, it doesn't have to be in a lab. Like I work in a lab, I do research full time, um, but I have, I've known multiple PTs, PTA, well, I don't believe any PTAs at the moment, but PTs who have performed research like in a clinical setting, you know, and I have somebody in my PhD program who's, who's working in inpatient rehab and her dissertation is about implementing high intensity gate training and that actually happened in her clinic. You know, she gathered data from that. So I, I think, I think PTAs can be a part of that too. And you know, discussing how how that whole process works might help open people up to you know potentially going for that in the future. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know if this is a true for you know every major hospital, but the Cleveland Clinic at least has. Um, what they call caregiver catalyst awards. So they're small grants that care that um, employees of the clinic can apply for, and you'll get some money to do like a a research project. So that's that's one way people you know can can help fund their own 
little research project while still working in the clinic. Mm -hmm. Get them, get them started. Give them something to get them started, huh? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's great. Awesome. This has been um, so enlightening because um, like I said, I feel like I, I, I know more about the research process than I did 10, 20 years ago. However, getting into the nuts and bolts of it is not something that I do on a regular basis. So I, I think it's really cool that you were able to kind of explain that and give us like an inside view of what research looks like um, for you and for a physical therapist assistant being um, embedded in this kind of research. Yeah, absolutely. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, great. Okay, so will you go ahead and give us um, your plus point? Um, so this is like your your words of advice, your call to action. What would you like to say to physical therapist assistants who are listening? Yeah, so I I'd like to say that PTAs have a place in research. You know, we we have experience to draw upon. We have knowledge that is can be applied to the research setting. Um, I I think one of the most impactful moments in my career so far um, is relevant to this plus point. Um, the PI, the principal investigator of my lab, um, you know, we were talking about my, my performance and he said, I want you to write PTA on the, the dry erase board for me. And so it's like, okay. So I, I wrote PTA on the, on the board and he, he said, I feel like you think of yourself like this. And he wrote PT and then a huge A, like emphasizing that assistant. Um, and that really was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, you know, here's, this is someone who like is in research, he's brilliant um, and is acknowledging that I have something to add here. So I, I think that that draws right into my plus point that, you know, just don't think of yourself as PTA, like you're an assistant, um, you know, acknowledge that you have, you have things to add and that includes in the research world. Absolutely. I think that's uh, a great plus point. Uh, we always have something to add to the team, no matter where that is. And um, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast and kind of came up with that name PTA plus because there's always something that we can add to the team. We have this knowledge, we have the skill, um, and, and sometimes that expands beyond, like you said, that A. It, yeah. it sometimes goes beyond that assistant. Um, so there's a lot of other things that we can do to kind of tie that together. So thank you so much. This has been very interesting. I'm excited for the audience to hear everything that you had to say. Um, we'll have to have you back so that you can tell us about your next research project and see what's going on with your grip strength, um, grip, grip strength testing in um, your PhD program. Absolutely. I'd be happy to be back. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> I can't wait to see you. Are you going to be at CSM? Are you going to be presenting or is that still kind of in the works? Uh, I am, I am going to put in um, an abstract for a poster that's due on Monday. So I need to, need to buckle down on that clearly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I, I will be at CSM. Awesome. Great. Well, we'll have to catch up there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If not before. Yes. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank you. 
The PTA Plus podcast is hosted and produced by Katie Sutton in collaboration with PT Pintcast host and CEO, Jimmy McKay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PTA Plus podcast, where the conversation is for PTAs by PTAs. This show is for educational purposes only and not intended for clinical decision-making. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. Become part of the PTA Plus podcast family by liking, sharing, and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts.